Hey, Mountaineer fans, after a year of being stuck at home, you deserve all the latest WVU gear, gifts, and apparel to show your Mountaineer pride. Our friends at the Book Exchange are offering 25% off with our promo code BX4FINAL4. Let's cheer on all of our Mountaineer athletes in gold and blue and support local business too. Shop online at bookexchangewv.com or at their downtown Morgantown or Evansdale locations. That promo code again is BX4FINAL4. Recorded live in Morgantown, West by God, Virginia, and across the world with your hosts, Kevin Jones, John Flowers, and our lovely co-host, Ashley. This is the Final Forecast Podcast. Welcome to another episode of the Final Forecast featuring me, one of your co-hosts, Kevin Jones. Got my boy, Jay Flo with me. Oh, what's going on? The best real estate agent on the planet. Basketball playing, you're good. Model, businessman. I'm here. What's going on? What up? You got our lovely co-host, Ashley. That's me. Got our trusty intern, Ethan. What's good? What up? Super producer, Dave. Hello. What up? And a very, very, very special guest, Mr. Oliver... Very, very special. Yo, Dave. Dave was honest about this guest. He's never been honest about guests before. Like, listen, Dave's about to have a heart attack. This is the first time for everybody. It's crazy. <laughs> he's this he, is a big stop right here. Listen, he's, this he's man turned, was in charge of the XFL, so I don't want to mess with this guy. <laughs> he sent about ten text messages since he booked you. When when was that? Friday. It's like, be okay, on time. Well, we could talk about this. Let's be honest. Like, there are punctual guests in the world, and then there are all of us who are always late all the time. And I was like, let's make sure we're here on time. And what? We were all on time, and the guest was this, on time. This is this is no. true. Getting us together is no easy task. Well, one, one, of the, one of the underappreciated things about playing a sport in college is you learn how to be on time, right? Because you don't want to be late. <laughs> yep, I mean, you're, so. you're either on the treadmill or you're running the stadium steps. So punctuality, <laughs> I think, is like one of those things that just comes naturally because you don't want to be late. Fact. That's a fact. That's a fact. Well, <laughs> Mr. Mr. Oliver Luck, it's a pleasure to have you on our show finally. We appreciate you uh, taking some time out of your schedule to come on the show for us. So. Really appreciate that. So a question, just a personal question, I just always wanted to ask you. So, you know, your son is Andrew Luck. So why couldn't why couldn't you get him here to, to quarterback for WVU? I just <laughs> always wanted to know that. The fans want to know that, I'm sure. Great question. Just to, just get that out the way. Why no, that's a good question. I mean, he uh, let's see, he graduated from high school in 2008, I think. You know, in Houston, right? We were living in Houston, and you know, he was recruited pretty heavily. Um, he, you know, my, I, I got four kids, and I let all four kids make their own college decisions. You know what I mean? I said, "Hey, it's up to you where you want to go." You know, no pressure uh, to, to to go to any particular school. Um, you know, he'd been to Morgantown numerous times. In fact, he actually lived there as a as an infant. You know, a toddler, I should say, for a while. Um, it's hard to argue with Stanford, you know, and what they did and the academics out there and Jim Harbaugh, who had just become the head coach and Harbaugh himself was an NFL quarterback, yada, yada, yada. So yeah, ultimately it was his decision. I think it was probably the right decision at the end of the day. Um, he did, he did uh, on his, 
it was interesting on his uh, bye weeks, you know, he would because he was playing for Indianapolis. Of course, he would you know drive over to Morgantown and come sit with me and watch a game or two. So you know he he followed the team pretty closely. But um, you know it was his call where he goes to college. Just I'm sure like your mom and dad, right? Your parents I'm sure said Kevin or John, it's your call where you go to school. You know, no doubt. Were we on his list? Uh, yeah, that's all I wanted to know. Really. <laughs> Well, he took. He only took a couple of visits. Uh, he had been to Morgantown numerous times. So he didn't take a, an official visit. I think he went up to Purdue because they, you know, they had a history of, of a bunch of good quarterbacks coming out of that school. You know, Drew Brees and others. And then I trying to think where else he took a trip. Maybe Northwestern, but it was too cold in Chicago. <laughs> you know, and you, you also can't complain about the weather in California. It's nice. Yeah. Uh, so that's a no, John. If you I guess Pat White and Noel and them didn't show him a good time when he's on an official visit, man. <laughs> Could have linked up with Kevin Jones, he would have showed him a hell of a time. <laughs> nah, you were the go-to guy. But now nah, you were the AD at WVU from I was the AD from uh twenty fifteen, I think, through Maybe 2019 or something, or 2014. I can't even remember anymore. John, uh, I think, well, when did you graduate? When did you get out of school? I graduated 2011, the final four. Yeah, it was after your, and I, Kevin, I think you were still playing, right? I was, was uh, 2012. 2012, all right. Yeah. Maybe, it was, I can't even remember what year it was. Maybe it was like 2014. I think I started in 2014, so you had just gotten done. Okay. Yeah, okay. yeah. Yeah, I, I thought you were there for, uh, like, the Final Four run and all that stuff. No, I wasn't there. I, I just well, – what, what was the Final Four run to, in, in Indianapolis? That Was that 2011? 10. 2010. 10. Yeah. yeah I, I made it right after that. That's right. I think I started, like, in 2011 and then, you know, spent five years there, basically. So, I think oh. I, I, I think I was there when you were there, John, and, and Kevin. Yeah. I think both of you guys. I remember yeah. watching cheering for you. I do. I, I I I thought you were there. I, I thought you were. Yeah. I thought you were part of the reason why we had like the black uniforms and stuff. Well, I could be mistaken. Uh, yeah. I took a lot of heat for black uniforms. I don't know if that was my decision or not, but everybody said, "Oh, come on, our colors are golden blue." You know, golden blue. I mean, we did the same thing in football with like gray unis and all that. They were they were good looking. Yeah. What, yeah. What's, that's what's, a, the, what's the deal with that? Like, what, what, what were people saying? Like, why did you take heat for that? Well, because, you know, there, there are college sports, I think, football, basketball, you name it, right, baseball, they're all very traditional. Mm-hmm. And, it, you know, it's, it's something new when all of a sudden there's a different color scheme that, <laughs> you know, whether it's a helmet or, you know, mm-hmm. um, a you know, jersey or shorts or whatever, right? There, there's just, a you know, always some folks that don't like it because, you know, those aren't the school colors. The school colors are blue and gold. And, right. you know, you got to have blue and gold uniforms. You can't have black or gray or whatever uh but you know the, the trend a, a, across the country was was sort of different color schemes you know the school that sort of you know was the epitome of that was oregon and their football and, and actually their basketball too they got some funky mm-hmm. pretty cool basketball units yeah. and they got a great floor as well at their arena so so it wasn't your decision uh i may have approved it i'm you know i think you know in our case because we're a nike school I'm sure Nike was was pushing, you know, black and gray, et cetera. It's all tied up in the ability to produce more merch that's black and gray and, you know, mm-hmm. get people excited and have hugs 
you know, and the assistant coaches wear, you know, different outfits on the bench. So, I mean, there's a whole sort of business that's tied up around alternative uniform colors. I, I'm, I'm ultimately, I'm sure I had to approve it, but I, I probably called Hug and said, is this what you want? <laughs> your program I give yeah. Shane Lyons a lot of, a lot of flack for it, for just uh, not, for falling for the, the people that, that say, oh, we want the traditional colorways and not going with the black uniforms anymore. You know what I mean? Like what what goes into the decision of saying, uh, okay, we're not going to do it because it, it makes these certain people mad or we're going to do it because certain people like it? Yeah, I mean, I guess I would say a couple of things. One, uh, you know, if, if Nike is pushing it, right, and promoting it, it's a partner. And, you know, it's a pretty good company. They, they, they know what they're doing. Bill Knight's still the remarkable, you know, uh, company. So, you know, I, I think we would listen to, to their arguments. We would discuss it. Um, I, I usually would defer to the head coach because it's a head, you know, it, the, the basketball program is Hugs program, right? And right. he's got his fingerprints all on it. And if Hugs says he wants it and thinks it's a good idea, and, and you guys as players liked it, then, you know, the answer was an easy one. Yeah, let's go do it. And, you know, you're always going to get uh, a handful of folks that complain. I mean, I got a bunch of emails from different people. I'd always respond to them and say, thank you very much. Appreciate it. You know, uh, the kids love, you know, the black unis or the gray unis or whatever. Uh, they're not going to be a constant. We're not changing our color scheme, but, you know, sometimes you got to do something a little bit different. Mm -hmm. right. yes. I thought the black That's uniforms looked great personally. And we've had this oh, conversation numerous times where KJ and John said, we played better in those black uniforms because it felt <laughs> aggressive, you know? Yeah, yeah well, that's, I mean, that's a good point. I, it'd be fun to go back and like do a correlation of, you know, black uniforms or gray uniforms and the performance of the team, you know, versus mm -hmm. the regular blue and gold, et cetera. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I mean, anything new, particularly in college sports, because it's so traditional, anything new will cause a few people to get, you know, bent out of shape, but that's all right. That's, that's part of the drill. I mean, I got exactly. the same thing when... You guys, you guys, I think were students there, and maybe you did this. But when we started selling beer at the stadium, the football yes. stadium, and at the you know coliseum, you know, uh, people loved it because they could go buy a beer for ten bucks, and the university was making a little bit of money. But you know, we got a lot of people that complained and said, "Oh, we shouldn't promote alcohol or beer sales at a college." You know, blah blah blah. Really? I mean, that's just part of the drill. <laughs> Wow. Well, what? we have you to thank for that, Oliver. Thank you for bringing beer yeah, into man. the stadium and Coliseum. <laughs> thanks for, thanks well, for being I mean, progressive on all fronts. Mo we appreciate most, most people, I mean, you, you, John, you, you and KJ know this, right? There's no pro teams in West Virginia. And if you're you know, living in the northern part of the state, you probably go up to Pittsburgh to watch the Pirates or the Steelers. You know, if you live in the panhandle, you probably go down and watch the Washington football team or the blues or the, uh, the, the Baltimore, I mean, the, you know, the Washington wizards or, you know, baseball, right. Up. You know, people get used to those things that are at pro sports. Mm -hmm. And because, you know, I, I always viewed WVU as quote unquote, the pro team in West Virginia, you know, we wanted to do those types of things that, you know, professional sports fans get accustomed to. And one of those is, you know, buying a beer, right. It's uh, yeah. and we actually had, you guys may remember this, but we actually had a decrease in the number of incidents involving, you know, drunk fans because they weren't going out at halftime and chugging a bottle of Jack or something, you know, uh, right. which can really cause problems. You know, they stay in it for halftime and, and buy a beer at eight bucks or nine bucks or whatever it costs. And it was good for the university. It was good for uh -huh. public safety, if you will, you know, so. 
I'm surprised yeah. it took that long to, to pass that, just getting beer, just because it brought in more revenue. But we played, uh, I don't know if you follow our alumni basketball team, Best Virginia, we played in VCU, and they said that, uh, the TBT said that they ran out of beer because WVU fans were there and they just... <laughs> <laughs> Well, that doesn't surprise me. I have followed your, you know, your your alumni team. That doesn't surprise me. We we set a record. If you remember this, we, we guys in school when we played LSU. I, I think was, it was like I, the second. I or think third. I was. Yeah, I think we, I so was. We played yeah. at LSU, and those people just like drive up in their in their RVs and park in the Coliseum lot, and they're there all week. It's unbelievable. We set a record for beer beer sales. Right, <laughs> there's only like five thousand LSU fans there. But you know they they contributed to, to massive sales for that particular game. Yeah, that's, that's good. But you you said one thing I want to ask you about. Like uh, you work closely with the coaches as the AD. You work closely with the coaches. You normally, it seems like your your leading method with that is working with them and not still telling them what they can and cannot do. Have you ever had to step in and be like, "Hugs, hey, I don't know about uh this this where you have to wear a suit or." <laughs> something like that, that magnitude, you know what I mean? Yeah, so I, I, I always took the approach that, you know, a head coach really is, you know, control of his or her team, right? Uh, you know, Nikki Izzo Brown knows more about women's soccer than I'll ever know, more about, you know, the coaching staff that she needs or, you know, the, the kids that she's recruiting. Uh, you know, same thing with, you know, Hugs or, or Randy Maisie or Neil Brown or anybody, right? They know more about their sport and, and what it takes to be successful. So that doesn't mean that, you know, that an AD isn't involved. He might sit down and say, you know, hey, uh, coach, we're, you know, uh, we're not scoring any points. I mean, <laughs> you know, we're not hitting our free throws or we're not, uh, you know, we're awful in the red zone, right? You know, and, and who's responsible for that? You know, you got to maybe think about your assistance and we, do we need to do something different? You know, um, you don't, you don't want to force things, but you want to raise, you know, sort of the obvious issues with, with a coach. And that's not just in terms of the sport performance, you know, that could be, off the field as well. Hey, you know, head football coach Neil Brown, we got, you know, 30 guys that got in trouble this past year on the football team. That's like a third of the roster. Something's wrong. You know, there's lack of discipline, whatever, you know, that, I'm, I'm just making that up as an example. <laughs> there's not 30 guys on the football team that are in trouble. Are there 30 guys on the actual football team right now? Because everybody's chances. I don't even know if there's 30 people left on the team right now. Well, you know, you know KJ, that's an interesting point. It, it might be, hey, coach, you got 25 guys in the portal. You know, that's that's higher than any other school. I'm, I'm making this up. I'm not yeah. using this as an actual example. But, you know, or or academics, right? You want to make sure, I, you know, Coach Mays in the baseball team, you know, six of your guys flunked out. That's not inappropriate. We, we got to do a better job. Why is that? And then you, you know, dig in. So, you know, you have to be prepared to ask the tough questions, but ultimately, uh, you know, I, I would defer typically to a head coach because he or she knows what's going on in their program. I mean, you know, and when, you know, Hugs had a bad year uh, one season when I was an athletic director, pretty bad year. And I remember KJ, he, I think that was KJ senior year. Terrible. Uh, it wasn't. Uh, it was the year after. It crumbled. I think it was, yeah, crumbled. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, you guys may remember Hug said, I'm going to fix this. And he did. <laughs> you know, yeah. I mean, he fixed it, right? He, you know, he had taken his eye off recruiting or whatever. And, and uh, he came back with a vengeance. And, you know, we, 
we got to kind of roll back into being you know, one of the better teams in the country. So, you know, it's uh, it, it's a lot. It's 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 human management, it's just like a coach coaching a player. AD has to sometimes coach, you know, his or her coaches. Help spread the word about our podcast. Leave us a review and tell a friend. I want to transition into this because I think, I mean, this is honestly why Oliver's with us today. And also we've been talking a lot about being progressive. Things changed. The The landscape has changed a lot in college sports, obviously, especially these past couple of years um, with NIL deals, which you, we should thank for starting this Country Roads Trust, which is helping our players be able to get these NIL contracts. Um, and it's funny, too, because earlier we mentioned how some people get upset over things. NIL really had people oh, show. Yeah. Like, is this going to change things? Are we even going to be able to get players in West Virginia because we don't have a lot of business money to hand out? So I want to know how you came up with this trust idea and how you're enacting it. What is the uh, trust idea, actually? Great question. Yeah, go ahead, go ahead, John. No, well, I'm just want I need to know what it what it is, actually is. Like for the people that don't sure. know exactly what it is. All right, so I'll 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 give you like the the origin story, if, if I will. <laughs> so I think you're all familiar that you know there have been uh, lawsuits that have gone all the way up to the Supreme Court. There have been a lot of states that have passed bills that hasn't happened in West Virginia, but it's happened in California and Texas and Florida and you name it. And, you know, there's also been a number of bills that were introduced at the federal level in Congress that didn't pass, but, you know, they were all there. All, all those efforts were designed to make sure that a student athlete uh, had his or her name, image, and likeness rights and could go out and monetize those. So simply put, Back when I was playing football for the Mountaineers or John or KJ playing basketball, you couldn't go down to Kegler's and sign autographs and get the thousand dollars, right? That was illegal. You get in trouble, you get kicked off the team or put on probation or whatever. Now you can do that, right? A mm -hmm. kid can monetize his or her name, image, and likeness. So the general rule is that the schools, the institutions, were not supposed to go out and hustle up name image likeness deals for their student athletes right mm -hmm. uh, they could educate the kids on what nil is they could remind them to pay their taxes they could remind them to you know make sure they don't you know forget about fafsa and their you know in their uh pell grant or whatever because if you earn too much money you know you give up five or six grand from the government right if you're on a pell grant so they they could do all those things but they weren't supposed to arrange or facilitate deals for their kids so what happened uh, across the country, in, in a lot of different markets, you had alumni or former players, you know, from a particular institution. They they formed private companies, and those private companies were doing NIL deals for the students. They were doing exactly what the schools couldn't do. So, mm -hmm. you know, in Austin, there's an outfit called the Clark Field Collective. They're out there identifying, you know, opportunities for University of Texas student athletes. Same thing in Washington. Seattle, it's called Mont Lake Futures. Same thing down in South Columbia, South Carolina, it's called the Garnet Trust. Same thing in Tallahassee, it's called Rising Spear. Same thing in Gainesville, it's called the Gator Collective. So they're all they're, they're private companies, unrelated to the athletic department or the university, and their job is to go out and find deals and then you know share those deals with with the students. So you know Ken Kendrick to get very specific on Country Roads Trust, 
about a month ago, Ken Kendrick, who's an alumnus, graduated back in the 60s, uh, has done extraordinarily well in business. He you know, owns the Arizona Diamondbacks, founded a number of you know, banks and software companies, very smart guy. He called me up and he said, hey, Oliver, I'm worried that, you know, WVU student athletes, because it's a, you know, not a big corporate state, right? right. And WVU athletes might get left behind. You won't have the same opportunities as a kid who's going to the University of Texas or Indiana or Michigan or Ohio State or whatever. So he asked if I'd be interested in helping him put together an entity, uh, which we did. So Country Roads Trust is, a, is an LLC, limited liability corporation. Uh, it's chartered in the state of West Virginia, all the documentation, all the filings, et cetera, you know, in, in, in order. And this entity will do a couple of things. It'll solicit donations from, you know, wealthy Mountaineer fans. Uh, it will go out and find NIL deals for kids, whether it's car dealership or banks or, you know, you name it, any, any company that thinks it can use a Mountaineer athlete in its promotion you know, services or, or product. And then it will also at some point begin to sort of build a retail business where, you know, a Joe Mountaineer fan living in you know, Clarksburg can spend five bucks a month and get, you know, a podcast from the starting quarterback or a podcast from the, uh, you know, the, the, the star point guard or, you know, uh, forward on the, on the women's soccer team, uh, you know, sort of insider information because we can pay, the students uh, to do podcasts now, right? We can pay oh. the students to, to write a story about, uh, you know, the game last Saturday and, you know, why the, the, the last, you know, second field goal went through and all that kind of stuff. It's a, it's a whole different world, right? John, we couldn't, we couldn't have paid you if you were doing a podcast when you were a student, uh, but now we can, we can pay these kids. So the, the, that third sort of vertical that we are thinking about is uh is a uh, sort of retail business, you know, where, where, you know, somebody can pay five bucks, six bucks, 10 bucks, whatever, you know, and get access to merch autographs, you know, game, game worn, uh, uh, you know, uh, items, uh, podcasts, you, you know, interviews, right. You name it. So uh, basically the point of this company is to provide as much revenue as we can to WVU student athletes, not just men's basketball or football, those are clearly the two, you know, most popular sports, but, you know, all, all across the line, right. To, you know, people on the women's soccer team or the track team or whatever, you know, uh, they want, we want to be, make, make sure they're part of this, you know, sort of package, if you will, as well. Wow. I, I had a question to ask um, that you, you just brought that up. Um, how do you, how do you allocate the money? Like how do you, like what percentages go where to what student athletes or is it, you just finding specific athletes and, and they're getting the deals or, or all the money's coming together and you, that, and and you spread it out question. that way. Yeah, it's a good question. The honest answer is we don't know yet. You know, okay. I mean, we, we really <laughs> don't know yet. Seriously. I mean, on the one hand, you know, on the one hand, the football and men's basketball drive the athletic department. That's where the bulk of tickets and, you know, donors and all that stuff, TV revenue, you know, coming in from the big 12 or the NCAA, you know, so, Clearly, men's basketball and football will be sort of featured prominently. But, you know, baseball is important. Women's track's important. The swim team's important. Wrestling, you know, rifle teams are our most successful team. Mm -hmm. And they win the national championship. That's pretty good. People feel proud, you know. So the short answer is we, we don't know yet. We're going to have to 
sort of figure that out as we go. And that's the same problem that everybody is facing. And one of the reasons is, you know, these collectives or these trusts really are independent companies. Uh, Ken Kendrick and I are the two sort of managers, if you will, of this company. We'll have a staff uh, people that uh, are starting actually this upcoming week to, to run the day-to-day operations. Um, but, you know, we're independent of the athletic department. So it's not as if Hugs can call up and say, hey, you know, I got, uh, you know, Kevin Jones needs a car. You know, his car broke down and, and he, he, he can't, can't afford to get around town or whatever. So, you know, we'll, we'll have to see how that all plays out. Uh, but, I, you know, the, the bottom line is every, every cent, right, every penny uh, will be going to athletes. We just don't know exactly how that's going to be sort of broken up. Oh, wow. So the trust doesn't make any compensation off of this? No. So, you oh. know, imagine, imagine uh, the trust goes out and finds uh, a bank, right? Mm-hmm. And that bank uh, wants to hire a Mountaineer athlete for $5,000 over the course of a month you know, to talk about financial literacy for college graduates. Mm-hmm. And if, if, if the bank is saying, well, we've got $5,000, this is what we want to do, they would, you know, send that 5000 to the trust, and then we would send that 5000 to whatever student is, is chosen, you know, to, to, uh, to sort of do that, right? So we don't, we don't want to, we're not taking a cut. Mm-hmm. Uh, we will have overhead, uh, but we believe that donations from, quite honestly, affluent donors can cover our overhead. It'll be pretty modest. We'll have probably three uh, full-time employees, but we have to do the W-9s, right? Because every student now becomes an independent contractor. Mm-hmm. And, you know, if you're making $5,000, you got to get a W-9 and, you know, you probably got to follow tax return. In fact, not probably, you should follow tax return. <laughs> so, yeah. you know, all those things have to be done. So we will have some overhead, but we think we can cover that overhead through donations from, you know, from Mountaineer, uh, supporters. And then, you know, we want to make sure that literally every penny of the deal goes, you know, goes back to the student. Nice. I love this. Oh. Cause I was so afraid personally that we, like I said, at West Virginia, our athletes would get left behind and choose to go somewhere else. I love that you guys started this. I love it. Well, I mean, it's, it's, you know, it, it is happening all across the country. It's a response to the, you know, the NIL universe that started July 1. Uh, nobody really knows where this whole industry, if you will, will be <laughs> like two years from now or even a year from now. But, you know, we, we think it's important. Um, mm-hmm. We think it's critical because, you know, it used to be, um, I'm, I'm, I'm assuming now, you know, uh, I'm, I'm assuming Kevin, you know, Mount Vernon, talked to my buddy Lowe's Moore, you know, who right, was, is a big figure yeah. up there in, in basketball. But you were thinking you had options. You had different schools that offered you scholarships. And you were thinking, okay, can this help me get to the league? Can this help me you know, kind of get a good degree? What are the facilities like? Now, those factors are all important. But an additional factor is going to be for a guy like Kevin, you know, what, what, what are my NIL opportunities in Morgantown versus, you know, going to Syracuse or going to Providence or going to wherever, Rutgers, right? Mm-hmm. So, yeah. you know, we got to get in the game. I mean, you know, so, and some people, to your point, Ashley, some mm-hmm. people don't like NIL. They don't think college athletes should, you know, be you know, making money doing social media posts or whatever. Uh, yeah. And that's fine. You can think that, but it doesn't matter because the new world <laughs> order is they can. And so, exactly. you know, we don't want to sit in the sidelines and watch, 
uh, you know, watch the Mountaineers, watch Hugs or Coach Brown or Coach Maisie or Coach uh, yeah, Nikki. You know, we don't want to see you know them uh, those coaches lose top recruits because they can make more NIL money elsewhere. Right. Yeah. That's the that's one of the big problems that we have with the the alumni <laughs> events. I don't know if you know, like me and Dave and some other people, we started just the alumni basketball games all through West Virginia about seven years ago, raised some money for charity and stuff. Um, that's one of the problems that we have. Just uh, joining the TBT has become bigger, you know, in West Virginia. So we're now on a national stage in which we can play on ESPN and, and represent the school and the state at a national level. You know what I'm saying? That's one of the biggest right. problems that we have is just not being able to compete at an alumni level of raising money to be able to yeah. represent ourselves well, because like Ashley said, we don't have the big corporations and stuff like that. So I, I kind of I worry about that too, as far as getting recruits to come here to a smaller market. It's, it's, it's kind of a smaller market, but like you said, we're the only, there's no pro teams around and stuff like that, but it's just not, it seems yeah, like it's not I mean, a it's, lot of money around. Yeah, I mean, West Virginia is typically not a big corporate state. That's, that's true. Right. But, um, you know, people are passionate in the state, you know, and around the borders as well. And there's also, you know, a lot of very successful alumni outside of the state, you know, living in D.C. or Texas or, you know, Florida or wherever. Right. And it's critical to get those folks involved. Right. Right. Uh, you know, if you if you if you drive down, uh, I don't know what it is, Van Boris Road or something in Morgantown, there's a, a a couple of posters of, I think, Taz, one of the basketball players. I think it's Taz. I don't, I don't know. You know, but that post that that poster was put up by an oil and gas company in Houston. But the guy who owns that company in Houston is a big Mountaineer fan. And I love he's that. using, you know, he's using Taz to promote his oil and gas outfit. So, you know, th this entity, the trust, has to be creative like that, you know, to identify companies, you know, in the state, companies around the, you know, the fringes of the state, but also Mountaineer alumni who own companies or run companies all over the country, all, in fact, all over the world, and make sure that they're aware of, you know, how important it is to, to create these NIL opportunities. And it has to make sense for the company, right? Mm -hmm. right. It has to, there has to be some kind of quid pro quo, some benefit that the bank or the car dealership or the restaurant, whatever, sees, you know. Imagine the offensive line doing a deal with, like, the, the Tudor Biscuit Company or whatever they call it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That'd be awesome, right? Yeah. You know, you have five big dudes, right, uh, <laughs> you know, who probably go eat there all the time, you know? So it, yeah. it's, it's kind of matching, you know, with as many of our student athletes as we can with as many companies as we can. Yeah. I have a quick question. I'm curious, is the university concerned uh, with them maybe having to share the pot now a little bit? Because, you know, they do the same thing with trying to get advertisers and sponsorships and things of that nature. Do you think that, there's concern there for them so uh that's, that's a really good question at this point and not just in morgantown but you know if you look across the country because this is everybody's doing this right we're not unique in that sense at this point uh it doesn't seem like the traditional sponsorship business where you know a bank is the official bank of west virginia university athletics you know and mm -hmm. gets whatever benefit gets signs at the stadium and you know pr announcements at halftime and all that sort of stuff it doesn't seem like that business has been hurt at all by this nil business for students so you know i'll give you an example there's a a, you know, a, a gym owner an mma gym owner down in miami 
He has a big University of Miami football fan. He is giving 5,000 bucks to every football player per month, right, during the course of the season. And he wasn't – that guy, you know, that's a lot of money. You know, add it up, do the math. 85 scholarship football players, you know, six months times five grand. That's, you know, a good bit of money. But he wasn't part of – you know, the sponsorship group at the University of Miami. So this is sort of new money coming in. He didn't cannibalize any okay. any existing sponsorship deals. So up at this, up to this point, it doesn't have that there isn't it doesn't seem to be at least a lot of cannibalization. That that could change, of course, going right. forward. Uh, but at this point, I don't think, you know, the university is concerned about losing sort of uh, sponsors. And keep in mind, you know, the official sponsors can use the flying WV. That's the university's mark. The university owns that. It's the university's intellectual property. We can't at this point. We have our own logo, Country Roads Trust. It's kind of that, a cool logo. Is that a WVU's saying or is that well, just a rule in I.O.? I mean, WVU could, could license that to us. You know, we'd have to yeah. pay for it, you know, and, and we'd have to have that discussion. I mean, we're just getting started, so we haven't had that discussion. Uh, yeah, but, but, I mean, but clearly, I see, I see like the on the billboards, not to cut you off, but I see on the billboards, it's just players in like regular white T-shirts without yes. the, yeah, and that takes away a little bit of the, the no, value it of it. Yeah. Well, it, it, it shouldn't be a white T-shirt. It should be either a blue or a gold T-shirt. <laughs> 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 but it's the same thing, you know, it's the same thing that the pro athletes have, right? You know, you can't, you know, when my son was playing for the Colts, right, he could appear in a local you know, advertisement for a bank, let's say, but he couldn't use the, the, the cold logo, right? He couldn't use the horseshoe because that doesn't belong to him. It belongs to the team. Now, if that bank that he was advertising had a deal with the Colts, that's a different story, you know, but uh, so there's, there's, there, there are some restrictions that every trust or every collective, that's what these things are being called is going to be facing, you know, but, but we can, we can figure out, how to work around those or work with the university on those or whatever. But it is intellectual property is important. We don't want to use something that we're not allowed to use. And we certainly don't want a student to use something that he or she's not allowed to use. Right. Yeah, this is this is interesting for me just because you guys are working, you started a company working with players that are currently playing and stuff like that. My my company basically is working with alumni, specifically basketball. You know what I mean? Helping these guys right. navigate through becoming a pro and just entering into the, the real world, just having jobs and stuff like that. Like we're in the midst of building a, a basketball network kind of where everyone could talk to each other and could connect with each other. Because we have guys like Mike Ganzi and Johnny West and Camp Thurman, corporate guys are in business and stuff. I feel like the guys that are playing now could benefit a lot from just talking to these these guys and we all are connected because we went to WVU and stuff like that. So I'm, I'm well, that's good. That that's good. Yeah. Gansey is, uh, is on our sort of board of athlete advisors. We've got about 10 former WVU athletes. Yeah. So Mike, Mike's on there. Uh, Deshaun's on there. Um, Jerry West is on there. You know, <laughs> mm. obviously he's had a phenomenal career. We got, you know, a couple of football players, Pat White, Pat McAfee, Daryl Talley. Uh, so what are, these, what are these guys? They just advise. They're the yeah, they're they're on basically a, a, a committee that will advise us, you know, give us counsel about things that we should be doing. 
or things that we're not doing, you know, that we're missing out on. You know, they're all right. in their own way involved with, like Gansett, right? He's working for the Cavaliers. And he right. understands, you know, all this stuff and, and what's what's happening with NAL and his kids his kids come through the system. So it's really just a, a group of folks who have agreed to to help us, you know, make sure we're not missing something or we're not doing the wrong thing or whatever. Right. That's awesome. But did, do the kids, they have access to those guys as well as far as like talking to them and getting. Yeah. Yeah. If there's a if there's a you know, if there's a basketball player and he, you know, he, he, he thinks he needs to talk to you know to mike about you know what what's what life is like in the g league or what he should you know should he stay or you know go or declare or not whatever you know or an agent question i mean I, mike would be more than happy jerry would be more than happy i you know deshaun would be more than happy to talk to him you know what i mean right. mm-hmm. and that's, yeah. That's, yeah that's one of the big points that i wanted to you know talk about and come across with the company you know what i mean just as far as it's not it's not right that when alumni graduates, they're just basically thrown out the window. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah. It's like they forget about you. So, I mean, Huggins has done a great job of just making it feel like home. He's built this alumni locker room. Everyone I talk to that play that currently plays basketball has to pay about five thousand dollars to train in the summertime. You know what I mean? We have the ability to go back to WVU and do that for free. So that's a yeah. big thing. Hugs has done a great job of just making it a family atmosphere and making it seem like you always have a place to come back to. You know what I mean? And I think that's big on yeah. for the recruiting aspect of things. Like we might not oh, be able to huge. get the big uh, NIL deals, but you can always come back here and have a place to call home. Yeah, that's that's a big deal. I mean, uh, it's happening in, in you know, I, I know my my son, you know, he'd go up to Stanford in the offseason and work out there. And they had a whole locker room designed for guys who were, you know, playing in the NFL. And they used the oh, facilities really? and, you know, used the weight room and, you know, film facilities and whatever, right, you know, right. for their offseason workouts. And that's awesome because some recruit comes by and, you know, sees five NFL play. Richard Sherman's over there. And, you know, this, <laughs> right, Christian McCaffrey's working out there. That's that's very helpful for the that family exactly. environment, you know. And I think you it's helpful that you have guys there who, who've been through it. And, you know, a lot of people get advice from either their, you know, their parents, friends, whatever, people who haven't gone through anything, people who haven't played the sport. But now you have guys here who actually been through the program. They've been through all the all the uh, pro stuff so they can give you more, I guess, in depth detail about what you're about to go through. So I think that's very valuable. Yeah, for, Oliver. Uh, KJ is getting the guys in trouble currently. What, what was that uh, quote yeah. that Hulk uh, said? Listen, Ash, read, read that, I Ash. I can't stop being who I am for, for somebody else. I'm sorry. Huggins, Huggins is giving the guys crap about KJ being around. It's not, it. it's not just me, though. It's, it's, he's mentioned more people. With it. It's not. Just That's me. true. But the, the exact quote was, after the last game, I said it would be really good if you guys get in that practice facility because it's open 24-7. So it'd be nice <laughs> if you get in there and maybe we could get a shot off or two. So I'm sitting in my office. I hear the ball bouncing. And I'm sitting there thinking, well, I got through to somebody. And I look down there and it's Kevin Jones. (laughs) Come in the next day, hear the ball bouncing. I look down and it's Devin Williams. It ain't (laughs) anybody who played in this game today. That's frustrating. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I mean, that's uh, that's a good point. You know, I mean, it's a good point. (laughs) 
Hugs, hugs <laughs> usually... It's unfair, though. It's, it's, it's unfair because I see guys, like, I'm there a lot. But then again, I don't have classes. That's my job exactly. is every day to be there. I have nothing, literally nothing else to do. I make my own schedule. So that's a little bit unfair, but I get where he's going with it. I do mm-hmm. see guys... There's some guys in there who work a lot. Obviously, on every team, there's some guys who work more than others. But for the most part, I think this is a pretty hardworking team. I think, you know, when you lose, everything goes back to you're not in the gym enough. You know what I mean? Right, and yeah. I, I think yeah. that's kind of – it's kind of unfair, but I get where he's going with it. But, so. Motivation. Motivation. Yeah, for sure. That's right. Well, you know, I mean, it, it, there's, there's nothing tougher than a coach, you know, when you're on a three-game losing streak or four-game or whatever, right? How do you turn it around? And, you know, I mean, the, the default is always work harder, right? Yeah. It's always the default position. You know, what do you, what do you think about the time? Work harder, work smarter, you know, uh, be work more collectively, right? Because, you know, basketball is the ultimate team sport. But, mm-hmm. you know, it's uh, every, every coach is in that position. Hugs has been there many times. He'll, he'll pull on it. I got no doubt. Oh, yeah, for sure. <laughs> for what do you sure. think about the team this year, Oliver? Have you? Uh, it's, you know, I mean, I like watching the team. We, we just don't have a big man. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, and we're we're kind of you know that's we're we're struggling a little bit without without that presence in the paint. Yeah, you know that's true. That's, I mean, that's my, I'm not a basketball expert, but you know, you're a, I, you're a football guy though. What did, what did you think about what Neil Brown is going through? Like right now, is, is he in the hot seat? If you're the AD, what what do you, what do you say to a guy like a coach? Yeah, like I mean, he hasn't. You know, he hasn't, I guess I would say he hasn't performed like Mountaineer fans were expecting, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, I will say the whole COVID year was weird, you know, yeah. goofy. And and you got, you know, all these guys. I mean, it seems like they're guys playing six or seven years of college football. They don't mean they never leave. <laughs> so that, I think that was tough. Um, it's a tough conference. There's no question about it. You know, it's tough. It's a tougher football conference than the old Big East. You know, mm-hmm. where you pretty much knew you're going to beat UConn, you're going to beat Rutgers, you know, you're going to beat <laughs> South Florida or whatever. Um, but, you know, Neil's, he, he, I'm not sure he's on the hot seat, but I think his seat's getting pretty warm. You know, <laughs> I, I, I do like I do like the fact that that I guess we have a very high ranked uh, recruiting class, you know, mm-hmm. as high as we've had for who knows, you know, since probably, you know, Richard Don Nealon was around. Mm-hmm. So that, that's a good sign. And there's this stud quarterback coming out of Arizona you know, high school kid who's enrolled mid-year and, mm-hmm. and, you know, you can't expect too much from a freshman, but I, you know, he's a pretty talented player. He was like Arizona player of the year. So I, yeah. I've got some high hopes for him. But so as, you, a, as a, t- as an AD, what do you say? You bring a Neil Brown postseason, you bring him into the office. What do you, what do you say to him? You say, just keep working, just keep going forward or, Hey, well, I, you know, I mean, I think it's clear what Shane's, said to him, I've got no personal knowledge of this, but just from observing the outside, right? You know, the, the you know, Neil hired Graham Harrell, who had been the offensive coordinator at USC. And Harrell was a great quarterback at Texas Tech, played for Mike Leach. You know, he's, a, he's an air raid guy. Um, he's you know, done well wherever he's been. He was offensive coordinator at North Texas, and they, I think, set a record for, you know, offense, et cetera, USC. Did well. Their problem was they didn't have they couldn't play defense. <laughs> right. 45, 50 points, but they were giving up 55 or 60 to you know other Pac-12 teams. So clearly, you know, uh, Neil wasn't happy with his offensive performance. He made a change. I'm sure he and Shane talked in depth about that. But that, and that's what ADs do. They don't tell you to go hire this guy or that guy, but they tell you that, you know, we got to score some more points. You can't win many games in the Big 12 with 
you know, by scoring 17 points. This isn't the NFL where you can be like, like yesterday's football games were all close. They were a field goal, right? right yeah. you know, 19 to 16 or whatever it is, 17 to 14. And you, know, you can't win games in college like that. you got to be able to score, you know, 25, 30 points at a minimum to have a chance to win. So, um, you know, I, I think that's, that's at least from the outside, I assume what, what the kind of conversation Shane had with, with his head coach. Yeah. Do you think this is going to change things a little bit? Cause I mean, obviously our defense plays well, that's clear. You know, we don't yeah. let people go a whole lot now on the offensive side. Do you think having Graham Harrell there is going to help this progress forward to get our offense on track? Finally? I, I, I do. I think he's a, an excellent offensive coordinator. He was a great player back in the day. He's been around some pretty good coaches, you know, mm-hmm. um, he's, uh, he's, he's smart. Um, I, I'm, I'm excited about it. I, I think he'll, he'll help us offensively in a big, big way. Plus, you know, we had a complete turnover. If you think about it, there's going to be a new quarterback, whoever that is, there's going to be a new top running back, whoever that is. Mm-hmm. And there's going to be a new top receiver, whoever that is. Cause you know, we lost, you know, we lost Letty to, to the NFL, you know, uh, Jared uh, transferred and the other guy, Winston, was it Winston Wright? Winston Wright Jr., yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he transferred as well or went into the portal. So I guess they could come back, but that's doubtful. Uh, right. So there's going to be a brand new, you know, a brand new group. But, uh, you know, my, my only hope is that, you know, while we focus on quarterback and wide out and running back and all that, it's, it's the big guys up front that make the difference, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I, you know, I, I, I assume that Graham's going to be very sort of attentive to the offensive line. Cause that's what it needs to be. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Cause it, it hasn't been good. No. What did you, no, I mean, you hey, think about that game yesterday? Joe, Joe Burrow got sacked nine times, nine times. Wow. On that game. That's, that's completely unusual. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, so, you know, we've, we've got to clearly shore up our offensive line if we want to, if we're going to expect to go out and score 30, 35 points a game. And that's my, right. my belief, at least. We talked about this, uh, we talked about this before on other shows. How, how fair of a, like, how fair of a timeline do you think it should be for a program to rebuild? Because obviously when you get a new coach, like you're rebuilding a program, like what is a fair amount of time to be like, okay, this guy isn't working out or, okay, let's just stick with him one more year. Like, is, is this the time or do you think he deserves more, Neil Brown deserves more time? Well, I, I, I certainly expect that, that this is, a, you know, because this is fourth year, that right. that's the, you know, once you've gone through four years, and again, there was a COVID year and you know, we didn't play that many games that season. It was all kind of goofy or whatever, but you know, once you've had four years, that means you've, you've had a full recruiting cycle, you know, yeah. and you can go out and get, you know, and you can't expect, you know, 26 freshmen to be starters and play, right. You've got to get some yeah. upperclassmen, et cetera. So, I think that, you know, uh, you really start analyzing a coach after the second year, you know, and looking and seeing what, what, what where the strengths are, where the weaknesses are. Uh, you know, the, the portal has changed a lot because you can mm-hmm. basically, you know, grab guys for a year. You couldn't do that, you know, five years ago. You had to really build up a team. You know, Don Nealon was sort of famous for having really good seasons every four or five years because he had a bunch of like fifth year offensive linemen, you know, <laughs> who were 23 years old, big guys, you know, played together and they're, you know, they're all, that's, that's much better than a bunch of 18 year olds. Right. As you mm-hmm. guys would know. So I think you start analyzing it year two, 
And then, you know, certainly by, by year four, you've got to see some real progress and real, you know, uh, real success or else, it, you know, it's going to get, it's going to get dicey. Fans don't have a whole lot of patience either. No. You know? <laughs> Especially in WVU. Not our fans, not. Nah. <laughs> That's right. No, and they, I mean, they've got patience with guys like Hugs because Hugs has done it, right? Mm-hmm. He's had a bad year or two, but then he, he turns around and, you know, and, and kicks tail and, and does very well. So, you know, it, it's a little bit different for every coach, sometimes a little bit different for every sport. But I think in football, particularly with the, the way things are going with NIL and Portal and all that, that, you know, by, by, by end of year three, year four, you've got to be showing some progress. You really do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What did you think about uh, Jared, Dougie, Doug, Dougie? Dougie. Dougie. <laughs> you been, your, with your son being who he is, Andrew Luck, what is, how does he compare yeah. to? Well, <laughs> you compare I, those I, two? I don't want every, every to. Every college kid's a little bit different in terms of, you know, how they're playing, what kind of offense they're playing in, et cetera. I mean, Jared had some nice moments. There were a couple of games where I thought he played really well. There were some games where he didn't do very well, right? You know, mm-hmm. uh, had, had happy feet, as my coaches used to say. In the, in the pocket, <laughs> yes. You know? Um, and in, in, didn't, didn't have a good running game against certain teams, et cetera. So, you know, I don't want to criticize him. He's, he went into the portal and he committed, gotcha. I forget where it's Western Kentucky. Yes. WKU, you know, uh, that, that maybe is a, a, a good spot for him. You know, I don't know. WKU plays pretty good football. They had a, they had a kid, um, a quarterback there that really lit it up. I think he was the CUSA player of the year. Uh, but you know, I, I I don't want to necessarily criticize Jared. I no. believe I had some game. I had some games when I played where I looked like him on, on one of his worst days. <laughs> <laughs> no, nah, I mean the, the, I don't like how our fans are always on the the quarterbacks back like that. I think when you were the AD there, we had Skylar Howard, and I don't think anyone got it worse than he did. Uh, but yeah, Scott got, got a lot of grief. You know, um, uh, Trickett. You know, Clint mm-hmm. played pretty well, and he was a. I mean, Clint Trinkett was the ultimate overachiever. He weighed about 165 pounds, you know, uh, was tough as get out, right, as you'd expect from a Trinkett. You know, there's a history of Trinkett's dealing with WVU football. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, you know, fa- you know, fans are, you know, it used to be you didn't boo high school kids or college kids. You could go boo your pro teams as much as you wanted. And it's all changing a little bit. Social media is probably partly responsible. Mm-hmm. Um, I will say, though, I'm, I'm, I'm excited about, uh, you know, the, the, the incoming quarterback from Arizona, because we haven't had probably a top recruit like that for a while, you know, yeah. and uh, he's, he's here early. He can go through spring ball. You know, I, I, who knows if he'll win the starting job, you know, in the spring, but I, I'm excited to, to see him play. I'm, I'm kind of looking forward to that. Me too. Do you think, um, you think teams are moving more away from um, actual high school recruiting than they are like the transfer portal? Because I mean, like you, like you said, you got guys coming in that you only have to commit to for a year. And, you know, especially if you're a struggling coach, you have a struggling team, you might, that might be more, you know, that might be more seductive for you to get that guy out of the transfer portal than to try to get four years out of a, out of a high school guy, what do you you think people are yeah, moving so more towards I, that? I I think I think that is happening. Yeah, I really do because you know getting a getting an experienced player out of the portal if you can it's a risk, right? Because you might right. not get him, but getting True. an experienced yeah. player, particularly a quarterback or a left tackle or you know a corner, right? You know positions that are really hard to find in the college game. That's a quick fix, and that could yeah. really you know turn your team around. 
And, you know, somebody told me uh, who's, who's uh, you know, one of these pro, I'm sorry, one of these uh, high school quarterback, you know, private coaches that kids mm-hmm. work with, that there's a lot of good high school quarterbacks that, you know, aren't being recruited uh, because they, you know, take two or three years to develop, like hardly any freshman quarterback, true freshman mm-hmm. is really ready to play. I mean, it takes a while to adapt to the speed of the game and the complexity of, you know, the, the playbook and all this other stuff. So, you know, there, there very well could be fewer high school kids, you know, four-star or three-star quarterbacks getting recruited and more coaches trying to find a, you know, a quarterback out of the portal for a year. I, you know, I, I don't know if anybody's collected the data yet, but that's at least anecdotally is, is what I've, I've heard from some of the folks that are around high school quarterbacks. Wow. I think, yeah, I just think everything nowadays is just like a quick fix. Nobody wants to be patient and wait. I think going through high school is like you're building a program rather than going through the portal and just trying to patch something up for a year. And then you go right back to being horrible again the next year after that, if it works out. So I feel like it's important to build a program from the, and that starts with the recruiter. Particularly in football, you know, where it's a physical game. I mean, listen, most, you know, most 18 year old freshmen, unless you're Herschel Walker, you know, or Dan Marina, those like those guys played like, you know, seniors when they were freshmen. That's that's an anomaly. That doesn't happen very often. Most guys you know, needed at least a year to get in the weight room and understand the offense and what they're doing. And, you know, right. Uh, and I think the same probably is true in basketball, maybe a little bit less so. But, um, you know, most football programs have been built. You know, you have success with your second, third, fourth year guys, you know, and you're just hoping that that freshman will develop. And sometimes they don't develop. Right. Mm. <laughs> sometimes they can't handle the academics or can't handle the intensity or whatever. And they, you know, they, they peel off. Uh, but it, but you know, the portal, it has changed a lot. You know, just like NIL has changed, the portal has changed a lot, too. Let us know you're listening. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Final Forecast or send us an email at finalforecast at gmail.com. The business side of me, the businessman in me has to ask you about the XFL. Yeah. So what did what did you see? It was a failing industry, right? Before you got it? Well, the you know, t- take take the concept of spring football, right? Uh, and there have been a number of leagues over the years, you know, going back to the, you know, old WFL and the USFL and the old XFL back in 2000. I mean, it's, you know, over 20 years ago. Um, the league that we had, you know, it got affected like a million businesses by COVID. You know, we had to shut down because everything shut down. We, you know, our, our players didn't want to play our TV broadcasters, ESPN and Fox, you know, didn't want to go uh, broadcast the games because they were all worried about COVID. You know, we couldn't have fans attend games. So we shut it down. It, it spring football can be successful. I'm convinced of that. Uh, it takes, you know, somebody with a lot of money to do it. And the reason it can be successful is it's football and people love watching football. Yeah. I mean, right. the, the ratings yesterday for those two you know, playoff games, I'm sure the same thing will happen today for the two playoff games. They're through the roof. You know, mm-hmm. there are 20 million people and, and hardly any television show, you know, gathers, you know, that kind of a rating. So people love watching football for whatever reason. Americans are in fact, and it, the football has to be good. It has to be the, a good quality. It doesn't, it doesn't need to be great. 
You know, mm-hmm. I mean, those two games yesterday weren't high scoring. I mean, the Niners won without scoring a touchdown, I think. Right? <laughs> uh, you know, so. Wasn't that the problem with the the XFL that Vince McMahon had? Like, uh, the football just wasn't entertain not entertaining. Like, the level of competition just wasn't good. It wasn't, like, authentic, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, right. you need to have authentic football. You need to have, you know, players that played at the highest level in college. Right. Um, you know, there's a lot of good players that aren't quite good enough for the NFL, just like there's a lot of good players, you know, that, that aren't quite good enough for the NBA. Right. So you need, you need to get the best players and the best coaches and have, you know, competitive football. But we were, you know, we were selling 35, 40,000 tickets to, uh, to some of these games because the football was good enough where people would say, yeah, I'll spend 20 bucks. They weren't spending, you know, 200 right. bucks like you do it in the NFL game, but they were spending 20 bucks or 25 bucks or whatever to go to a game. You know, I, I'm convinced that a spring league will work because people like watching the sport of football. And as right. long as that quality is good enough, you know, you can make it work. It's And it's different. And, you know, yeah. I wouldn't say that there's a, you know, any other sport that's in that category. Football is, is has become our, you know, our national pastime. Right. And there's, there's players that don't make it to the NFL that have a huge following in college, like a like a Pat White or a Noel Devine yeah. that could have played in this in this league. You know what I mean? And uh, yeah. I think that would have been great for ratings for you. You know what I mean? But, well, um, and, and, you know, and the great thing about football is, you know, you don't have to run sort of a, you know, a pro style offense you like a lot of nfl teams do like the steelers do with ben or the buccaneers with the you know with brady or whatever you know you can run a wishbone (laughs) and still score a boatload of points you know you can run the 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 read option with a guy like pat you know that's exciting so you know there's ways to integrate sort of different systems i think in a spring league that it would be harder to do in the nfl and you can't be a running quarterback in the nfl you ain't going to (laughs) survive very long you're going to be out in in a couple of years right so but you can do that in a, in a spring league, uh, you know, so there, there are lots of ways to score points. I you know that's true in, in probably a lot of sports, but I think it's particularly true in football. Mm-hmm. How do you go about paying these players? What's the the most that players can make in, in the, the new XFL, the Oliver Luck XFL? And so it, it, what we found is that good players are willing to, you know, to pay, to play, for sort of 2000, 3000 bucks a week. Right. Mm. Um, and it's a short season, 10 games, you know, there's what three or four weeks of the training camp to get ready. So assume it's, you know, sort of a three and a half, four month thing. So, you know, players will play for that. They'll play for that level of money because the real reason they keep playing football is to, you know, have an NFL opportunity. Right. Right. right, right. You know, these are all guys that were in NFL training camp, you know, may have stuck around for a year, may have been on a practice squad for a year, got cut, got picked up by somebody else, got cut again. You know, they're they're willing to, to play for relatively modest money uh, because, you know, they think, hey, if I play well and, you know, if I'm an all-star or whatever, you know, I, I get more tape and NFL coaches will see me, I'll get invited to a training camp. And maybe this time, you know, the third time I'm in training camp, I'll actually make the active roster. And then, you, you know, you're, you're getting paid minimum, which is pretty good money. So, um, you know, it, it's, it's not just you're playing for the two or 3000 bucks a week, but you you actually have this opportunity to go, you know, to go you know, back into the league for a year or two or three, you know, you only, you only need to play four years to get your pension. So oh, you know, wow. a lot of guys, yeah. 
you know, a lot of guys are working hard to make sure they get that as well. <laughs> so for for that idea, that kind of sounds like the G League and basketball, like kind of yeah. like it could be a po- a pipeline to the NFL. Or were you more thinking that like if, if you did if a, if you did create a star in the XFL that you wanted to keep him there, or did you not mind if he was like, okay, I killed, so I'm gonna try to no no we we, we thought success we thought success for us was a guy getting signed by an NFL team okay right? which yeah. means we, we lose him you know. Yeah. He might come back the next year if he's, you know, if he's not on their NFL roster. But we we said to ourselves, success is a guy getting signed by the NFL because that's what that guy wants. And the more guys we can send to the league, you know, the better off, the more attractive we would be to other players. Right. Dope, dope, dope. I love so that. So we had a, we had a player, um, Kenny, I think his name was Kenny Walker, played at WVU, only played two seasons there. And as you guys know, you got to play, you got to be out of high school three years in order to get drafted by the NFL. He played in the XFL, uh, played for the St. Louis team, was a you know, good safety. And Kenny got drafted the fifth round by, you know, by the um, uh, Panthers. Wow. So, that's you so know, that, that was a success because he, you know, he, otherwise he would have sat out, you know, his third season out of high school and not done anything, but, you know, we gave him a chance to play. So there's also some younger guys that I think would rather – you know, rather play in a professional league, make a little bit of money, you know, and then and then you know, declare themselves eligible for the NFL draft. So it's, but I guess the key thing is this: Americans love watching football <laughs> yes. for whatever reason. You know, it's it is it's become our pastime. There'll be you know tens of millions of people sitting around today watching the you know the the Buccaneers game and then watching you know the Chiefs Bills game later on today. So it's just. That that that's the one sport that I think you can have a, you know, a, a, a spring league unrelated to the NFL and still you know build a good business. Absolutely, have like a fantasy XFL league. <laughs> you know, yeah, there that'd you be go. pretty yeah. cool. <laughs> uh, yeah, Oliver, thanks for coming on, man. We don't want to waste too much of your time. Our producer's telling us. Yeah. No, I'm just always cognizant of taking up people's time and we'd love to have you back. So we don't want to like bore you to death on this one, you know, shut up. Yeah. <laughs> we definitely want to have you back, especially once the trust starts, you know, really getting oh, yeah. going. We'll, we'll be, we'll get up and running. Yeah, we'll get up and running. I'll be happy to give you sort of uh, updates on, you know, not not only where we are with Country Roads Trust, but sort of where the whole business is across the country, because it's, uh, you know, there's a lot happening that other people are doing that we're watching because we want to you know, learn from what others are doing, just like they're learning from us, but enjoy being mm-hmm. on. Thank you, John. Thank you, KJ, oh, Ashley. Yeah. No doubt. No doubt. Oliver, I, would, I, would, I would love to just pick your brain in the, in the, in the meantime, you know, as, as far as the business <laughs> stuff goes, as far as, sure. you know, the alumni, best Virginia stuff that we're trying to build in West Virginia as well. So yeah. I'll probably be bugging yeah. you. <laughs> oh, God. Feel, feel free to do that. Feel free to do right, that. Help spread the word about our podcast. Leave us a review and tell a friend. That was another episode of the Final Forecast featuring me, one of your co-hosts, Kevin Jones, my boy Jay Flo with me. I'm here. Appreciate y'all for listening. <laughs> yes, sir. Our lovely co-host, Ashley. That's me. Trusty intern, Ethan. Adios. Ethan's never peace, sounded peace, better than in this episode. 
Really, you contributed a lot. To it. <laughs> and then our- <laughs> hey, it's best if I just sit down and shut up. Ethan, Ethan's helping me with learning. the uh, alumni network. Did you look at it, Ethan? Did you do anything yet? No, I have not. Ah. Uh, Good job. I had, I, had, I had to get some stuff done yesterday. I got you. I don't worry about it. This is what he tells us with everything. We're like, hey, can you do this? He goes, oh, I'll get to it later. And then never does. <laughs> Not no, so I trusty. You. I got you, John. You might have to, go into, the, you might have to go into the intern port- portal, Dave. Yeah. <laughs> I'm entering my name. Please respect my decision. <laughs> respect my privacy at this time.